the unity that the believers are called to have with one another is not a unity, please hear me, of conformity, where we all dress the same, talk the same, walk the same, eat the same, drink the same. It's not a, a unity that comes through conformity. It's a unity that comes through love. Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. set free from that and given life and grace in Jesus. Now let me ask you something. Those truths, do those encourage you at all? This is Sozo Church. We're kind of making our way through through Philippians in a series we're calling Beyond Propaganda. Our, our desire as we look at this series is to kind of uh, see past sort of the surface level things that can get thrown our way and to see uh, really the, the, the truth behind kind of the, the myths and legends that kind of get thrown at us. You know, the world throws all kinds of money and messages at us through advertising and politics and, and, and news media and all, all these things that can kind of clog our thinking. And then on the, on the other side of it, honestly, we can kind of fall into believing, even if, if you'll let me be honest with us as Christians sometimes, believing sort of uh, things that we think are in the Bible but aren't really there. Hello. And, and we want to kind of see beyond the propaganda. Amen. And see, see the truth. So we're looking at Philippians. I've got a few opening verses for us here this morning that I'd, I'd like us to, to turn to. The first is, is Proverbs. I think we got those back there. There we go. Cool. Yeah. I like it when things work. Um, Proverbs chapter 11, verse two. I'm just going to kind of read these. There's a handful of verses. You don't have to write them down. I just would kind of like to get them in our thinking. I think they'll frame up what it is that we're talking about this morning. Quite well. So it says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Next, we've got Romans 12, 16. It says, live in harmony with one another. Like, that's not hard enough. Uh, do, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. These are in a different version than I pulled, but that's awesome. Uh, next one, we've got uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Where it says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision count for anything, but only faith working through love. Faith working through love. Ephesians 4, 2 says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Everybody say love. Last but not least, we got 1 John 4, 7. It says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Let's pray and then we'll get to work. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning for your living and active and powerful word. God, as we turn our attention and our affection toward what it is that you have spoken in your word, God, we ask that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. God, we don't wanna just and I come to the Bible and, and read some, some Bible and hear somebody talk for a while and mostly stay awake and hopefully be kind of entertained and then leave. But God, we, we came, God, I, I know I came 
desperate to hear you speak to me. I, I need to be transformed. I don't wanna leave this place the same as I came in. I don't wanna have to live with me anymore the way I am. So God, I'm asking that your word would come, that you would speak, that I would hear it, that we would hear it collectively, God. I don't know how you speak to individuals in a crowd, but you do. And so we ask for that kind of speaking this morning. And then God, through the hearing and, and through the receiving, God, I pray that grace would be imparted to us, that we might be obedient to your word. It does us no good to hear and to even rejoice over your word if we don't respond in obedience to your word. So God, we know we can only do that by your grace. So we ask God for the grace to hear and the grace to obey. God, in all this, we pray so that you might be glorified, and that, 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 that this city might see you that those you place us in the path of might see you, Jesus, and be, be drawn to you and that you might be glorified not only through our lives, but God, through the lives that we touch as well. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Come on, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Um, so like I said, we're in the series uh, through Philippians, and, and this morning we're, we're turning our attention to, to a passage that uh, if, you, if you want to flip there, you can and get there early. Um, it's, it's Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. We're finally into chapter 2. <laughs> We've been in the series for over a month now. We finally made it to the second chapter. Um, and we're about to kind of to, to, to land on, on a passage that's quite powerful and profound. And I fear we may kind of just want to rush past it because it can seem quite simplistic. So if you'd give me a moment, I want, I want to read this um, and then jump straight into just kind of walking through it. It says, this is Paul, again, writing the Philippians. It says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection or sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourself, which is yours, please hear this. This is the key to the entire thing, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I want to read this and I want to jump straight into it. I need us to understand just how powerful and profound this statement is because what Paul is doing here is he's showing us how backwards the kingdom that we live in really is. 
This, this passage really is showing us that, that everything that we learn and everything that we seem to know in our daily lives and, and as we kind of live through this normal life that we live, everything that we learn and all of the, the scorecards that we seem to, to collect for ourselves are all completely bogus and backwards in comparison to the kingdom. And it shouldn't be surprising to us that they're backwards because our king is a little backwards. That offended some people. Okay. Here's what I mean by this. What kind of king leaves his throne to go be a servant? That's backwards. Well, every story we read, the hero's journey, right? It's the servant becoming the king. And yet the, 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 the king we follow was a king and is a king and yet became a servant. It's backwards. He became a servant so that he could save his people, why didn't he, I mean, I mean, I, 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 I'll be honest, I'll level with you. I, I kind of gravitate as a, as a dude toward Jesus in Revelation. I like the Jesus with a tattoo on his leg and a sword coming out of his mouth. Yeah. That's the Jesus I like. And yet that's not the Jesus that redeemed us. Please understand, some of you are confused, I'm, and I'm sorry. There's only one Jesus, <laughs> let me just be super clear. People are like, there's more Jesuses? There's one, one Jesus. What I'm trying to say is, is that the mode in which he came, the, 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 the view of him that we are given in his saving, the, the way in which he brought salvation to us, his people, was through becoming a servant. And that's backwards. But really, it, it didn't start there. I was thinking about this this week as I was reading through this. Um, I, I'm, I'm in kind of a plan reading through the Bible, and, and, and I've been reading through uh, you know, a lot of the Old Testament recently and, and it's it's shocking to me because because God sets up this sort of order and we even understand this order in in our own thinking. The firstborn kind of gets the most, right? Any not firstborns in the room can say amen with me please. Like the, the firstborns kind of get everything great and we all get hand me downs, right? I didn't think I don't think I saw a new piece of clothing until I bought it myself. Right? I'm right in the middle, so I just got all the hand-me-downs. I was really bitter because this is free therapy for me. Um, I got the hand-me-downs, and then, and then they wore out when I owned them, and so my younger siblings got new stuff. <laughs> Had nothing to do with the fact that I didn't know how to take care of things that my parents gave me. Um, we even understand this. Like the firstborn, according to the, the order set up in the Old Testament, firstborn gets twice as much as the rest of the kids. And yet, consistently, throughout the Old Testament, God picks the second. Right? Like, right, right from the start, Genesis, right? Adam and Eve, they have kids, Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel. God honors Abel instead of Cain. It's like, wait, the firstborn. And then, then it just moves right along as we follow the journey. We have, we have Esau and Jacob. Esau's born first. Jacob's born second. This one really blows my mind because other than kind of being a little bit cranky when he gets hungry, we don't know anything bad about Esau, really. He's like a good hunter. He's like a man's man. Jacob, on the other hand, is a conniving, thieving little weasel. And God's like, yeah, I love Jacob. In fact, even in Psalms, it says that, like the, that God loves the generation that's like Jacob. And I'm like, okay, there's hope for me. I mean, Jacob literally like, steals from everybody he knows, lies about it, tricks his own dad, his blind, dying dad, by the way, lies to him and tricks him. And, and God says, yeah, I, 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 
I pick him. And then even, even when it's not siblings, like there, there's this great king who looks the part. His name's Saul, and, and he's this king. God goes, no, I'm going to choose the redheaded stepchild over here. His name's David, and I'm going to exalt him instead. And the ultimate of all ultimates is Adam, the first man. And God says, no, I'm not going to redeem humanity through the first Adam. I'm going to do it through the second Adam, Jesus. God loves seconds. The, 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 come on, the, the discouraged, the distressed, the looked over, the disqualified. He's like, yeah, I'll use them. And, I mean, I, I've said this before. I firmly believe this. I think God looked down through the quarter of time, saw me and goes, man, if I redeem him, the universe will know I am gracious. God likes to show off his graciousness. He likes to show off by choosing seconds. The kingdom we live in, come on, is backwards. This passage really, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time. We've got lunch afterwards and I like food. So I'm not gonna preach a long time, but, but I want us to just kind of see, Paul does really, this, this, these 11 verses are really laid out in quite a, a classic sort of model. Paul exhorts us to do something, tells us what to do, tells us how to do it, and then tells us what'll happen if we do it. So I'm just gonna follow that pattern through this text. In, 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 if you need a title for this message, if you're one of those note taker people, um, I'm calling this message Beyond Philanthropy. Paul here is, is encouraging us to care for one another and serve one another. But I, I want to propose to you, this is beyond just kind of being a good person and helping people out. There's something deeper than this going on here. And I love the fact that he starts in, in verse one and, and he like hammers this thing home. He, he really honestly like is worried, it seems to me, like we're gonna just pass over this and ignore it. So he really pulls on every possible string he has to pull on our response. He goes through it all. And, and I think it's because he wants us to make sure that we don't go, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't really hear that part. Or this is more true. I, I didn't think he was talking to me. Any parents in the room? Tell your kids, hey, everybody go clean your rooms. And like five minutes later, you go, you find your youngest and she's not cleaning her rooms. Like, I didn't know you meant me. Do you have a room? I'm sorry, I'm therapy. Um, <laughs> he wants to make sure that there's no way we can miss what he's calling us to. So I, I just wanna, I wanna try to spend actually a little bit of time here because I think it's important for us to understand what ought to be motivating this movement that he's calling us toward. I wanna throw some things out to you. I don't know how, how your week was. I don't know how, how excited you are or how discouraged you are, but I just wanna throw out a few quick little things here and, and just get some, get some idea of where you're at. Do you realize that according to 1 Thessalonians, regardless of how your week was, you, please hear me, are not appointed unto wrath. That God has, has removed his wrath from you, that through Christ you are not appointed for the judgment of God on the earth towards sin. Do you realize that Jesus, according to what he said on the cross, has paid the totality of your debt before God? Let me be clear, we are all sinners. I've said this a lot, I'll say it every week. We're all sinners. That's not me judging you, that's me standing shoulder to shoulder with you. We're all sinners. We all screw up. We all don't do the good we know we should. We all do the wrong we know we shouldn't. So you are among friends here. We all do this. And, and that, the Bible says that that incurs for us a debt. And Jesus on the cross said he paid that off in full. He paid all of it off. And then on top of that, not only did he pay for your sin, but then the Bible goes on in Romans to say that he set you free even from that system. 
So you're no longer in the system of sin and death, but you are set free from that and given life and grace in Jesus. Now, let me ask you something. Those truths, do those encourage you at all? Okay, then this passage we're about to read is for you. Now, let me, let me realize something else with you here. That, that God says, according to Romans 8, 38, that you will never be separated from his love. He also goes on to tell us in, in 1 John, or rather in John 3, 16, that because God loved you, he came down here, lived among you, and actually his love is the very source of the incarnation. It's, it's where it started, his love for the earth. And then through that, because of that, he paid for your sin. The the payment that we talked about is motivated by his love. Does that bring any comfort to anybody? Okay, then this passage, hello, is for you. Does anybody know the truth? Like six of you think you might maybe. Has anybody ever experienced the goodness of God in their life? Has anybody ever felt the presence of God in their life? Has anybody ever been used by God to bring love and compassion to people? Well, then this passage is for you. Because it says here that if you are encouraged in Christ, comforted by love, or partnered with the Spirit, then everything he's about to tell you applies to you. And then I love what he does next. He lists off these three giant, huge spiritual truths. And then he literally goes, if you even have affection or sympathy... Now, he doesn't direct that affection or sympathy toward anyone in particular, but I'm just going to level with you. I think he means it toward himself. What he's saying is like, look, if you understand these spiritual things and you've experienced the goodness of God and you know all these things and you have the spirit in your life, but listen, if none of that, if right now you can't see that, if you care about me at all, do what I'm about to tell you. I love Paul's honesty with these people. If you, care, if you, if you like me or if you just feel sorry for me, Sympathy is really what the word means. If you have sympathy for me, then please do what I am about to tell you. These are the reasons why we should do what we're about to be called to do. You with me on this? We, we walk it through this. So he's, he's told us he's going to tell us to do something. Now he's going to tell us what to do. And what does he tell us to do? It's really super simple. Love each other and lift each other up. I mean, that, that, that's... I think the reason why he, he hammered this home is because we're like, yeah, 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 okay, cool, move on. And I, I think in our fallen nature, in our fallen humanity, we can kind of miss just how significant and just how powerful what he's talking about really is. You see, I, I want to make sure I'm clear on this. The reason why I think he hammered this home is this, that, that loving one another serving one another, being united in love. I love what Nate said last week. He said, look, the unity that is the unity in the church, the unity that the, the, the believers are called to have with one another is not a unity, please hear me, of conformity, where we all dress the same, talk the same, walk the same, eat the same, drink the same. It, it's not a, a unity that comes through conformity. It's a unity that comes through love. And here's what you have to realize. When Paul says, look, if you, if you have any encouragement, any, any, uh, any comfort, any partnership with the Spirit, if, if any of this is yours, here's why. This is the one job as a believer. I, that's a lie. This is one of the jobs as a believer that you cannot, you cannot relegate to a team or delegate to somebody else. We can't like, well, we'll just get the love and care for each other team together and they'll go love and care for everybody and the rest of us can just be jerks. You can't like go find somebody like, hey, I don't really have the desire to love people. Can you love them for me? 
No, he says, look, that, that, you don't get to do that. If you're a believer, with, encouraged by Christ, comforted by his love, partnered with the Holy Spirit, I, I don't really know a better definition of believer. If that's you, he's saying this, is, this, is, this ought to be the working of grace in your life. Love one another and serve one another. But it goes so much deeper than what we want to make it. But, but again, I need us to understand this all flows from the fact that we are encouraged by him, comforted by him, and partnered with him. If you don't have the security of knowing who you are in Christ, you will never be able to walk in the grace that he wants you to in this area, period. You will always be insecure. You will always be somehow intimidated by by this sort of life. And because of it, you will miss out on the purpose for which God has redeemed you. So if I'm a little excited about this this morning, that's why. What he calls us to is a sacrificial lifestyle that I think the key here is this. He talks about being of one accord and being in one mind. He's saying all of us are all in on this. You, you can't, there can't be teams that do this or groups that do this or this isn't for the, the, the paid staff people. This is for everybody. Everyone's gotta be in on this. And he goes on to say, we ought to, catch this please, please hear this. He says that we should prefer one another. If I can sum up this whole idea of loving and serving, it's, it, it's showing preference to other people. It's showing, it's saying that, look, others are more important than me. Can I tell you the number one thing that fights against this? Entitlement. I don't struggle with Entitlement. except when somebody cuts me off on the freeway and how dare they, do they not know who I am? <laughs> Listen to me, if you don't get your way and you, you, you to that, that's entitlement. I love you, but that's entitlement. Count others more than yourself. It, it, it it flies, it's, 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 it's hard, it, it's impossible, if I'm gonna be honest with you, you can't do it. Because here's the problem, this is one thing that can't be faked. I can't count you more and not count you more. I can't show preference to you and actually show preference to you and somehow think I'm better than you. So one of the reasons why I constantly wanna remind us that we're all sinners is this just levels the playing field. So, so often we're like, no, no, I've been saved for like 27 years. Yeah, and you still sin and you still struggle and you still need Jesus. Hello. So we're all the same. Here's the problem. We think, we think in terms of scale and the reality is holiness is past fail and you already failed. Love you. Uh, <laughs> so we all, we all, and there's no way to like, once you failed, you can't go back and retake the, the test. We've all already failed. Jesus came to pass the test for you. So your failure in him, ultimately the Bible says, turns out for his glory, which isn't to say we should continue to fail, but rather we should rejoice in the fact that he's won for us. So that's where I said earlier that, that really the thing we need to understand is, is the key to this, in my opinion, the, the, real, the real turning point is in verse five where it says, have this mind. So he tells us what we ought to do, but then he, he, he for us goes deeper and says, and here's how you're gonna do it. Have this mind. 
Change the way you think. How do we change the way we think? Well, it's ours in Christ Jesus. Please hear me. I'm really nervous right now. I don't want you to hear the wrong thing here. This is not a, you better be nice to people or else God is gonna be mad at you. No. This isn't fake it till you make it. This is surrender to the grace of God in your life and stop fighting him in giving you affection and love and service for other people. He's trying to, through the proclamation of the word and through the working of the Holy Spirit and grace in your heart, give you an affection one for another. I, this is a journey. I'm not saying we all have to, like, magically, I wish we could, like, do Star Trek and just, and we're at the end. But we can't. We have to walk the whole journey. But that grace that's working in us is a grace that ought to be giving us a preference for other people. Why? Because that's who Jesus is. Jesus didn't go like, Jesus never came out. I've read every word that Jesus said in the Bible. That's a good thing for a pastor, right? I've read them all. And never once did Jesus go, do you know who I am? He ne- the whole crucifixion, I looked several times this week. He was never like, oh, by the way, you shouldn't crucify me because like, I'm, I'm, I'm Jesus. If anyone deserved to have an entitled attitude, come on, it was Jesus. Do you realize he made everything? All of it. He made it all. He owns it all. It's all rightfully his. And yet, Bible says he came and he took on the form of a servant. He served. He didn't demand we treat him with the respect and dignity that he deserves. No, he came and he laid down his life. So how, how do we partner with that? Well, according to Philippians 2, how do, how do we have this mind in Christ? I want to try to put some, some rubber to the road on this this morning for us because I think that we're going to see here in a minute why this is so vitally important. He tells us the kind of mind that Christ had was one that was obedient to what his father called him to do. I know you want me to make it more complicated because I want to make it more complicated so that that way when I don't do it, I have an excuse as to why I didn't do it. Because it was, it was complicated. I'm not saying it's easy. It's, it's, I've already said it's impossible. The reality is that how grace is imparted to our life is when we surrender and allow his grace to move in and through us. Surrender to it. Look, you, you, you keep the grace of God moving in your life just how it started moving in your life. You repent, which means you admit that you're wrong and he's right. So my sense of entitlement that I have when, when, when I don't think, and she never does this, but in some fantasy world where my wife doesn't honor me the way that I think I deserve and I rile up all of a sudden, doesn't she know who I am? That's sin. Can I, let's just call it what it is, come on. No, it's weakness, I have a daddy issue. No, it's sin. Well, I wasn't coddled enough or too much as a child. No, it's sin. Listen to me. I'm not saying that your parents maybe didn't screw you up, but you're a sinner anyways. Get in line. I mean, I love you, but your parents screwed you up. I love you. You're screwing up your kids too. So, I mean, it's just all there so that we can all know we need Jesus. Amen? And I'm, I'm, I feel bad. I'm not trying to belittle if you went through horrible things. I'm not making excuses for your parents, okay? We understand that, but... But listen, we're all sinners that all feel some sort of weird entitlement because we don't really believe we're sinners and repentance is all about admitting once and for all, I'm wrong and Jesus is right. I've failed, pass-fail test, I failed. No makeups. Thankfully, Jesus paid it 
for me. Amen? This idea here that, that Paul is hammering is that serving one another is a privilege for those who've been redeemed. You want, you want to know how, how the grace of God is working in your life? You want to know barometer for it? Do you see service as a privilege or as some sort of heavy burden and responsibility that, well, I've been in church for a couple of weeks. No, I guess I better serve. <laughs> Not saying you shouldn't serve. I'm saying you should, but, but service ought to be seen by the believer as a privilege, not as some sort of heavy duty or responsibility. Why? That's why we're walking through this. So he tells us, why we ought to do it, tells us what we ought to do, tells us how we ought to do it. So, so he encourages us because we're saved, you ought to be of one accord and to love and to serve others. And you do this by allowing the mind of Christ to be in you. It's, it's contrary to your nature. It's, it's, it's different than the way you think. It's different than the way that you feel. It's not your natural response as a human, but it is ought to be your natural response as a believer. And then he shows us the results of what happens. Christ is glorified. Do you realize, according to you, and I think I've got this first, or sorry, John, I keep saying first John. I'm a professional. John 13, 35. So important to me. By this, all people, how many people? What about millennials? All. What about like the baby boomers? All. What about atheists? All. What about agnostics? All. What about Mormons? All. What about Jehovah? All. All means all. I looked it up in the Greek. It means all. Not the soap from the 80s, but all, like everybody. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you preach really good messages, have really good worship, and your theology is correct. Oh, no, no. If you pray for the sick and they're healed. No. If you have really good kids ministry, if you're good at your job, if you're a hardworking, disciplined person, if your political party is in office, no, none of this exists if you have love for one another. I'm not saying any of those things are not important. I'm not saying any of those things are not important. Don't step in it, Mark. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to say that. What I'm trying to say is this. They're all vastly secondary to love. According to Jesus, by the way, if you have one of those weird red letter Bibles, this is in red. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, look, how the world is going to know that you are my disciples, that, that, that the truth is in you, how they're going to know that, that you're the real deal is if you love one another. All right, you all aren't hearing me. I'm going to flip this around on us. You want to know why the world doubts that we are his disciples? Because your friend who goes to church here posted something on Facebook that you disagree with politically and you blocked them and spammed the crap out of them. That's how the world knows we're not believers. You want to just call the worship team back up now? See, we think, oh yeah, yeah, Paul, this is great. This is a great, this is why he hammered it so hard and made sure he knew this was all of our jobs because because we think yeah this is important this whole like love and care and serve one another that's like really important so we have like a good church no jesus and paul according to this he says look because jesus did this this is what happened to christ well if we allow that same mind to be in us hello it ain't gonna be us that's exalted it's jesus that's exalted 
The reason why this is so important is because the whole reason you are still sucking air on this planet is because Jesus has a purpose for you. I I believe this with all of my being. I believe that God is the best steward of resources that ever existed. No one agrees with me. Do I need to prove this to you in the Bible or can I keep moving? The stewardship board all agrees with me. God, God doesn't waste anything. Can we say amen to that? Okay, well, he's investing air into your life. So if he did not have a purpose for you, he would just go suck the air out of you. You'd fall over dead and it'd all be over. So everybody take a deep breath. <laughs> okay, you have a purpose. And the purpose has been set by Jesus. People ask me all the time, what's their vision for the church? And I kind of have to go like, I believe it's my job to communicate vision, but I don't think it's my job to set vision because I'm not the senior pastor. Jesus is. He set the vision. He started it. He paid for it. He organized it. He structured it. It's his church. So he sets the vision. And he said, go into all the world and make disciples. And we go, amen, until I say, world means your office. Whoa. I did a mission trips once. I checked that off. It was in some other country. They didn't speak my language. And somehow on the plane, I picked up an accent. And then I lost it when I came back. Uh, you'll laugh later. Um, I did the love the world, preach the gospel thing. Now I'm just back. No, 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 no. The world is literally every system that ever existed on this planet. So your job, your school, your <laughs> family, not just the ones you like. Anybody have cousins like mine? Come on. Anybody have extended family like mine? You're like, oh, wow. Yeah, them. You're called to preach the gospel to them. You want to know why you're, it's not effective or as effective as it should be? Because we can't even get along with each other. And the world goes, I, I've actually had people say this to me. I love talking to people about Jesus just on the street, one-on-one. My favorite place to, to witness people, I've shared this before, is, is at the self-help section or the spirituality section at a bookstore because I just do Dr. Phil evangelism. <laughs> I just walk into people who have some random spirituality book and I go, what is that? And they talk about it for a while and then I go, how's that working for you? <laughs> Dr. Phil evangelism. And when they say, eh, not so much, I go, can I share a different book with you and hand them a Bible? And then usually the conversation's over. Um, <laughs> they laugh and giggle and then go, I, I really gotta go. Um, <laughs> Now, one of the things when I do get to have a conversation with people is they go, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I can even kind of believe the truth of it according to the Bible, but man, I go into churches and, and, and man, I don't mean to be rude to you. I love it when they say that. I don't mean to be rude because you know they're about to be rude. Um, and Christians suck. And I go, I know I work with them full time. <laughs> My favorite is the church is full of hypocrites. My canned response is, no, it's not. There's room for one more. Come on in. Um, <laughs> People look at church, and I literally have these conversations with people on a monthly basis. And I, I know the truth is out there, and I know, I do believe in God, and I believe there's some kind of spiritual reality out there somewhere. But man, I look at the church, it's just so messed up, and they can't even get along, and they scream and yell and holler at each other. And, and that, that, that can't be the truth. And look, if that's you right now, I really want to real quick level with you here real fast. That was my attitude. 
So, and I've shared this with, before, but I went on the classic 90s spiritual seeker, American Generation X, maybe Buddhism is the way kind of path, you know? And here's what I learned. All followers of all religions suck. Like I really had like this idea of being raised in America. When I went overseas, I really thought I was gonna like go into like Buddhist shrines and they're all just gonna be like, oh, it was gonna be great. I was gonna find this great love that I knew existed somewhere. And I found out that they all gossip about each other just as much as we do. Okay, people, people are flawed. People are messed up. The whole point of what, what Jesus and Paul echoing is trying to say is look, when the world sees us genuinely, genuinely loving one another and preferring one another, counting others more important than ourselves, that goes, whoa, something different's happening there. I know this to be true because that's what won me back to Christ. I was tricked by a conniving little punk to go to a concert at a Venue, which turned out to be a worship band at a church. <laughs> what I saw was a bunch of people who didn't look the same, talk the same, walk the same, or act the same, and they loved one another, and I went, shoot. <laughs> Whole reason it's so important for us to prefer one another and love one another and serve one another Because when we do it, it is evidence to everyone who sees it that the grace of God is real. We love one another. I know, I know, I know. I want it to be more complicated too. But it's not. It's just impossible. Unless the grace of God is at work in our lives. The result of all this, Christ is honored, God is glorified, and souls are saved. And again, this only more drives home this whole idea of upside down. How, how, how is it when I make much of other people, that's backwards, and, and I do something in the house of God that it's effective outside the house of God and my obedience glorifies Jesus. It's all backwards. It's because it's the kingdom. We know this is the way because it's not the way we walk when we walk according to our own selfish way. I don't have a more complicated thing. I don't have anything else. This is it, church. Listen, if I can talk to just Sozo for a second as the pastor, this is it. Why why do we, next week, this is not an announcement. This is just an application. Next week, we're having our expo where we we call people to serve. You're like, through the summer? Yeah, because we're going to have church still. (laughs) But I want to go on vacation. Me too. (laughs) This is why we call people to serve. This is why we have goofy things like community groups where we, we call people like get together in smaller groups. It's really easy to like feel the love in a room this big where you don't have to smell anybody. But when you get in their house, come on, where the rubber meets the roast, why we call you to this. It's not just so we can have a good church service and have good community group ministry so that people that want community groups can have community groups. A lot of quotes. Um, it's, it's not that. No, it's because according to Paul and Jesus, when we do it, the world sees and the gospel becomes effective. I don't know how to plead with you any more than Paul's already pleaded with you, but I'm trying my best. Serve others. Give of yourself. Love one another. 
I know you can't do it, so here's my real call. Repent that you haven't been and trust the grace of God in your life to make you into someone who can love other people. Your love will fail, so just use his. 